Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Journey to Develop Her podcast. Today, we have a special guest. She's actually a sister in Christ, Mrs. Jasmine Naylor. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for the invitation. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. I met you in the summer of 2021. I loved what you were talking about as far as um, building wealth, um, kingdom mindset. I believe we had a conversation on that. Of course, real estate. So I've been seeing you do your lives. I'm like, you know what? She has to come on here and grace the Journey to Developer podcast. And for those who don't know, on this podcast, I go over my journey to becoming a real estate developer, as well as my journey to Jesus. So some weeks we talk about um, spiritual development, and then we have some weeks where we're talking about real estate development, and sometimes business development and self-development as a whole. So again, it's great to have you on here. So Jasmine, tell us about how you actually got started in the real estate industry. Yeah, so um, the first time that I purchased real estate was my first house when I came out of college. So I graduated um, at the age of 21, and I knew I wanted to buy a house. Um, and I always knew that I wanted to buy a multifamily because I didn't want to pay the mortgage. I wanted other people to pay the mortgage for me so that I could keep more of my paycheck in my pocket and do other things with it. Um, so that was what initially led me to purchasing a multifamily right out of college. Um, and then after I purchased that first one, then I want, I knew I wanted to purchase another one cause I still didn't want to pay the mortgage out my own pocket, um, from my W2. Um, so we just kind of kept it moving, but that was the initial launch into it. And I was married back then too. Oh, wow. So wait a minute, let's take a step back. How did mm -hmm. you even know about any of what you're talking about? Like, how did you know about income properties at 21 years old? Were you in a household who, I mean, in a household where they actually talked about real estate and ownership and even um, investments? Like, was that something you were familiar with at 21? Uh, no, not from uh, learning from home. My, okay. my family, uh, I was born in the hood, raised in the hood, raised by the hood, got a PhD in poverty um, and knew that I'm going to be through uh, college education. So I ended up um, pursuing my, but growing up, we didn't talk about multifamilies, you know, money was running out every paycheck, every pay period, you know, people digging in the couch cushions, looking for that last bit of change so they could put gas in the car so that, you know, everybody could get to school and people could get to work. Um, so it definitely didn't come from, you know, my upbringing and any knowledge from there. I've always had a business savvy. And so I've always picked things up from wherever I've picked them up from. So whether it's HGTV, whether it's reading an article in a magazine, um, I did get a business major and I didn't, I would say the business major picked me or the Holy Ghost led me to pick the business major before I even knew that the Holy Ghost was operating in my life. Um, I am a preacher's kid, uh, but, but most preacher's kids are like, we serve because we're the preacher's kids, not because we're serving because we have our own relationship. Um, so when I went to college, I literally picked the college randomly. Back then, we would look on FastWeb and look at the different schools and look at the different scholarships. And so I randomly picked schools based off of FastWeb. And then I applied to them. And when all of the acceptance letters came in, I lined them up and looked at who gave me the most money and how, how I could go to college for little to nothing. 
And so I ended up at Ithaca College with that. Then when it came to picking the degree, which was business, I really feel like the Lord had it pick me or me pick it, not even knowing. Um, I would just read the descriptions and based off the descriptions, business seemed like it fit me based on who I thought I was at the age of 17 headed to college. Um, so that's literally how I ended up in business itself. Um, and then the upbringing, but nobody really was talking or teaching on real estate. I just had picked that up and knew, hey, there's a way to live for free and you could do it through real estate. And so I was going to give it, give it a try. Right. That's incredible. All glory to God. That's incredible. And it's yes. so interesting that I didn't really discover that until maybe 25. I know I had my first child at the time. <laughs> uh, my only child, yeah. actually. Um, and I was like, okay, this makes sense. But, you know, for those who may or may not know my story, like my dad was a real estate investor. Unfortunately, but fortunately, um, he didn't raise me. So I didn't really learn anything about real estate investing from him. And I will say it's all glory to God, right? Like I yeah. can say, like God still led me in the right path and onto the right track. So that's a blessing. But that's great that you started at 21 in the investment space. Um, again, I believe you said you started house hacking, correct? You purchased a home. Is that how no, you started? No. Two family. So I, I'll okay. tell you, it, it, a semi-house hacking. So okay. coincidentally, my biological father also was in real estate. But like you, I wasn't raised by him. And I only saw him... I don't know, maybe five, 10 times in my entire life. By the time I was 30, he prematurely passed away in a car accident probably about five, seven years ago. Um, yeah, that's okay. And we had just began to build a relationship, but um, he was an investor, but I wasn't raised by him. And I didn't talk to him very much in my entire life. So I really didn't get the knowledge or infusion from him, but I will say that it runs in the DNA that mm -hmm. there are um, gifts that pass from generation to generate the same way that curses pass from generation yes. to generation. It goes both ways, good or bad. Right. Um, so I will say uh, I have to give credit to him because he had that entrepreneurial spirit. And then once I was in my 30s, we got to, to um, link up a bit. Um, things could have went far, but the Lord had another way. Uh, mm -hmm. But I also had a child as well. So um, I had my son at the time. Mm -hmm. He's 18 now. He just turned 18, not this Sunday, the Sunday before that. Uh, but back then, he was just a baby uh, when we had first purchased that house. So first the way... You don't look like you're a mother of an 18 year old, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> you, look, you look younger than me, okay? All right, go ahead. What's your story? <laughs> Thanks. So um, the first two family that I purchased, it was a two bedroom in each unit. I purchased okay. it by only seeing the second floor unit because uh, I couldn't get into the first floor because it had a tenant there that... Um, guess you know some folks don't be letting people in all the right. time unless they make an offer and it gets accepted and they know you're serious so I saw the second floor unit there was a tenant there but she was going to be moving out so based on just the second floor I put an offer in and that was um, 2007 so that was like right before the market busted so yeah. you know offers were going all over I purchased it over asking um, slightly I purchased it with my out my husband even seeing it like I put the offer and negotiated everything and then we saw it after, after I'd already accepted everything. So we definitely mm -hmm. had a relationship where there was a lot of trust there and he believed yes. I was gonna make a good choice. Um, so it was two bedrooms each unit and I ended up finishing the third floor. We ended up finishing the third floor and we made that into an illegal three family. So it ended up being two bedrooms, two bedrooms, two bedrooms. And that brought in that extra money that truly made it a cash flowing uh, property. 
Awesome. Talk about a gym right there. Yeah. That's awesome. So you, first of all, you got a husband, you're, you're in a kingdom marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually see you and your husband worshiping <laughs> on TV. <laughs> I think I probably saw you in person once in church. Um, anyway, super blessed in that department as well. And what is it like actually being in partnership outside of your marriage, of course, but in partnership with your husband in real estate, in your real estate business? Yeah. So what I tell people too about our journey, which is like right now, it's like um, you've sold so much over so many years and now you're reaping the har harvest God's promised you. And like people don't, haven't seen all of the labor that it took to get to what we have literally at this moment. So um, right now it's really like beautiful, right? Everything is flowing and growing. Everything we're putting our hands to by the grace of God is flourishing, um, launching different businesses. Like we'll be launching a new business soon. Um, so we're waiting to hear back on a couple of things with that. So like we're completely in unison and in unity. And not only in unison and unity in our businesses, but first and foremost, uh, in unison with our spiritual walks. So we're serving the same God. We're worshiping in the same house of prayer. Um, we're raising our kids under the same order. So, you know, everything is in alignment. Uh, but before this, you know, we've been together now. I, we got together when I was 15. We met at the age of 13. We just celebrated our 17th year um, uh, wedding anniversary. So we grew up together, right? If I met my husband, I was only 13. Um, he was 15 at the time. We got together when I was 15. He was 17. We've literally grown up together. So everything that you got to go through when you're growing up, you're not the same person you were when you were in high school when we met. Um, you're totally different. We've gone to college. We've gotten educated. We've worked in uh, corporate America and different places like that. Um, and we weren't always on the same page. And so we literally have sown for a long time. And I think Prophetess had said in one of her messages at, at Love Day, which mm -hmm. was women are typically ahead of their spouses when it comes to certain things. And so I tell people I had to wait a long time to, for my husband to become the husband he is today. So it wasn't like overnight and I had to have patience. So mm -hmm. who he is today is like light years to, to where we were before. And I also tell people, right, be patient with your husband because you never know one day when he's going to wake up and get hip to what you've been hip to, and then he's going to supersede you. So kind of mm -hmm. like a bamboo tree. I tell people my husband's like a bamboo tree, right? It lays dormant for X number of years, depending on the bamboo uh, plant we're talking about. And literally, it will sprout massively in a very short amount of time. That is what my husband is. So we literally had the dormancy where we were growing together or it felt like we weren't growing together, but we essentially were, but he was growing under the ground and the roots were going mm -hmm. down deep. And then when it was time and God said it was time, he literally sprouted out and he is far advanced than me when I used to be the one far advanced than him in so many ways. I love, I love that. I love that. Absolutely love it. Now you mentioned something I like to talk about on this podcast, which is poverty mindset yes and how i right, what are what are some tips for the people that will be watching this yes to break out of a pop in your opinion to yep. break out of a poverty mindset and at least tell us how you did it right mm -hmm. so one even though i was born in, into poverty i never believed that i belonged in poverty so that's like the first tip of the mindset is that wherever you're at currently isn't where you're supposed to be at permanently 
And so I remember being very young and knowing that I was getting out of this place. Like this place, like I may have been put here, but I wasn't supposed to stay here. And so my mind was always, I'm going somewhere else and I'm never coming back to live like this again. I'm never gonna experience by the grace of God, my lights getting turned off, my gas getting turned off, running out of food, running out of money, DSS ain't coming knocking on my door. I'm not living next to a pedophile, like, you know, um, uh, the, the neighbors across the street, I'm not gonna see domestic violence the way that I saw it growing up. Like in my mind, I was like, mm -mm, this may be for now, but I'm not staying here. And so mindset of where you belong, I think is critical, or at least that was critical for me. So every leg of my journey, I was like, I'm getting where I'm supposed to go. I ain't supposed to be here. I'm here temporarily, I'm a visitor. Right, amen. This ain't my permanent residency. It may be on my school paperwork, it may be, but this is not my permanent residency. This is temporary. I'm an alien here. Right. So that's number one. Number two, I would say is your environment. Um, you are the average of the company that you keep, right? And so why is, the, why is poverty so prosperous in a poverty way? It's because everybody thinks the same way. Uh, and you see that in so many different eras. And it's because nobody's reaching out for anybody at a higher level because of an insecurity many times. There's comfort when everybody looks like you, talks like you, dresses like you, speaks like you, you know, likes the same TV shows, likes the same clothing shoot, you name, like the same cars, like it's a lot of sameness. And you can't get out of a place unless you do something different. So you have to be with something different. And so that means breaking that barrier of insecurity that, you know, I can talk to somebody at a different level that I wanna be at, or I can strive or desire for things at a different level. Um, and let me kind of pick their brain or let me aspire for something different. Like for me, it was college. I aspired to go and complete college. And in my mind, that was my ticket out of there. I'm gonna get me a good job. I'm not gonna have to live on low-income housing or Section A. I'm not gonna need food stamps. You know, I, I did use those things when I had that baby, I'll tell you that, and I use it as a hand up. Um, that's a whole nother conversation, how it really is a trap though, if you don't have well, another person to lean on. Okay, that. yeah. Mm -hmm. so, um, so mindset, your environment. And the third thing that I would say for folks as well is, um, um, what are you, what are you watching? What do you, now we live in the virtual world, right? So all day we're consuming, even when we're on the clock, I was reading an article that says employees are consuming social media about two to three hours a day while they're on the clock. So mm. you're supposed to be at work, but you're really on social media and you're consuming. And then when you get out of work, you're consuming on social media or television. And then when you woke up, the first thing that you grab is your cell phone and you begin to consume social media what is on your social media dictates the rhythm of your of your life so if all you're doing is watching um real housewives of atlanta and um, um the kardashians and louis vuitton and all things luxury and there's nothing wrong with those things but what you're doing is you're tainting your mind to want things out of order and yeah. so you have to learn to train your mind to want things in the right order and infuse it with the things in the right order so the things in the right order would be I want a multifamily because I want to live for free. I want to own. I don't want to rent. So let me flood my, my, my mind and my ears on my podcast, everything with such as this journey to developer, such as, you know, my page, Jazzanella Enterprise, such as other platforms that are the same way that are where you want to be. 
And even if you don't believe you can be there, when you tap into those things, it will naturally impact and influence your mind to train it to think at some point that it can do those things. Because in essence, you're doing that same thing with the other junk that people are watching, right? Well, mm -hmm. I want the nice shoes and I want the nice car and I want to go on these flossy vacations and, you know, I want the Louis Vuittons. You're influencing your mind and then you go for those things. So it's the same way with these other platforms. You influence your mind to go for those particular things. Ingrams. Yes. <laughs> you, you said a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> and I love that you came to your own realization that I don't want to, I don't want to be on section eight forever. I don't want to get food stamps forever. This is not my portion. Mm -hmm. I love all of that because unfortunately, and I'm from originally Brooklyn, New York mm -hmm. before it became the new Brooklyn. So yes, we're talking about section eight, Brooklyn, HUD housing, Brooklyn. Yep. And then my mother moved me to an even worse place in my opinion, Newark, New Jersey. Okay. <laughs> Newark, New Jersey, if hell had an address, it, it's Newark. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm sorry to hear that. Girl. All right. We're going to talk about my childhood. Right. But it wasn't a place that I wanted to be. I Well, my daughter was born in a town over from Newark. But it's not a, a desirable place. Not not in 2001, 2002. It was, off, it was the top five deadliest cities yes. in America. Okay? It was Chicago, Detroit, then Newark. <laughs> Yeah. Or Camden, then Newark. It was just awful. So with that being said, I knew when it was time for me to go away to college, I didn't care where I went as long as it, it was not in New Jersey at the time. And I remember whoever accepted me, I was gone. Like, <laughs> I literally, it was gone. I did come back within a year, but I was like, I had to go. But it's mainly because I had to get out of that depressing, oppressing environment. Um, Newark is now starting, the darkness is starting to fade away now. Now that it's being revitalized, now that, um, of course, it's being nurtured, I'll say. Mm -hmm. Now billions of dollars are flowing into Newark. But well, I knew that means gentrification is going to follow. Of course. Well, yeah. And, you know, we do have a mayor that is against the idea of gentrification. He mm -hmm. is trying to preserve or have per preservation for people that are from Newark. Yeah. Um, but realistically... If they're not adding on income, they're not going to be able to afford a house, to buy a house mm -hmm. in So that's where we have like initiatives like mine and the other developers out here um, to focus on making sure we're building homes for residents, current residents of Newark, New Jersey and these surrounding cities that are pretty much the same, right? Yeah. Um, but I find it as though people from our communities, and I'm, I don't know where you grew up at, but I could only assume it was similar. Massachusetts. Yes. Oh, oh, I know all about that town. One of the deadliest places, they say, as well. I used to, I rode a bike out there once on a motorcycle. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Springfield. I've heard about Springfield. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like a trap, like I believe you said earlier. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, if I go get this job. I literally have had people say, I can't get a job paying this much money. I'm going to lose my Section 8. I'm going to lose my food stamps. I'm going to lose this and that. And I'm just like... That it makes absolutely no sense to me. Yeah. Um, and I do remember being in a situation um, as a paralegal when I just had my daughter. They was helping me with the um, daycare. Yeah. Daycare voucher. That, yeah, that good voucher, right? Mm -hmm. As soon as I got that, that twenty thousand. Yeah, I got a twenty thousand dollar pay increase. And, they and then I was like, "Oh, it's a struggle." <laughs> 
it was a struggle. So I do understand some um, the ideas of why people don't want the increase because they do lose subsidies. But I'm glad you mentioned that we have to get out of that trap. Yeah, yeah, and and there's strategies too, which everybody's life is different, and so mm -hmm. that will dictate what strategies they can employ. But mm -hmm. my husband and I was just talking; we're just talking about this. You know, if we were willing to um, do what some other cultures do, which is you double up until you can leap out on your own, right? So mm -hmm. like stay home with your mom. Okay, I know you may not get along with her. I know you got this baby and you think you're grown. But the reality is if you're gonna have to live off the government, it's just like living off your mom, except better mm -hmm. when you live off your mom because it's your portion. You know, they're not right. telling you who, cause you know, when you on the government assistance, like it perpetuates um, single parenthood because as soon as you add that man onto any of your paperwork, well, now they include his income. And if he's working and he ain't really giving it to you, well, it screws you up because you can't survive. And so it creates this intentional cycle to break up, in my opinion, uh, uh, families of color um, and perpetuates not being married and shacking up uh, because now women are saying, like, I got to take care of this kid and my livelihood. So, you know, we ain't going to get married. Um, and the men are in the same way. Like, I ain't put my name on the birth certificate because they're going to come for me. For, like, it's like this whole crazy cycle. But yes. simple strategies like stay home with mom if you can or auntie if you don't have that or if you don't even have those folks um, with a friend, like doubling up with one, two or three. I was reading an article recently and it talked about how um, women in particular were getting together, not in a relationship, but friends, friendships, and they mm -hmm. had kids or they didn't have kids. They were buying houses together and raising their kids communally uh, so that they could bear the burden of having a home, you know, because it is burdensome. Marriage, millions of dollars are in marriages, right? Like that's bona fide fact. If you look in the articles, the research says wealth exists in marriage, which is why marriage is always under attack, especially in communities of color. Because when you stay married or you get married to who you're designed to be, your millions are hidden there if you can get on the same page um, with one another. And so, you know, those strategies help work um, to get people where they need to go. But many times we're not looking at those as strategies. And of course, they don't exist for everyone, but even strangers, like same mission, same mindset, you can accomplish these things and do, what is it called? I don't care what the term is, but literally like we pour in, purchase, and then do the same thing and purchase for the second person, do the same thing and purchase for the third person. Like if we had those strategies and those mindsets that we didn't have to do everything ourselves, we'd right. be able to get, a, a, get ahead a lot further. I agree. Um, one, I mean, you know, and I'm sure you could relate because it's, you know, it doesn't matter the skin color, but one, we're literally digging ourselves out of like the ground, right? <laughs> and then, you know, it's the whole being independent at 18 ordeal, at least for me, like I had to, you know, I left to go away to college at 17, but like, even when I came home on winter break, my mom was like, you got to go. I'm like, where am I going? So just even that mindset, like we have to just change that whole trajectory of kicking your kids out when they're not prepared. Like, you know, your kid, I mean, my daughter, she could stay in the house as long as she wants. I say that now, right? But <laughs> at least until 25, I think it's fair. Like, yeah she'll be able to understand what it is to be an adult, <laughs> mm -hmm. start saving money so she can build whatever she needs to build with her career if she doesn't decide to go into real estate. At this point, I don't know what she's going to do because I take her to properties and she's like, oh no, I 
over here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I always have her at a job site with me. But with that being said, um, just having a little bit more patience with our children and not pushing them out to the wolves so quickly, I think can really help in the long term longevity of building urban wealth, right? Yeah. Um, making sure we're helping them fill the build the foundations of their legacy, right? Because they're part of our legacy. And in my family, you know, there's definitely some type of generational curse in that regard. The whole get out at 18, you know, not having that support system. It's a long history of it, even on like both sides of my family. So it it really is going to take us, the newer generation, to see like this didn't work for us. It's probably not going to work for our children. But let's talk about real estate again, right? Yeah. So you have this amazing um, conference coming up. I don't know the name of it, but you can tell us now. <laughs> the Work to Profit Conference, Real Estate. Yes. Awesome. So tell us about that. Like, what is that going to entail? Tell us the date so people can definitely support. Yeah. So it's going to be March 12, 2022. Um, it is in Springfield, Massachusetts, my stomping grounds. It's the inaugural Work to Profit Conference. This is the real estate edition, so it's intentionally focusing on real estate. And it's Holy Ghost inspired, uh, because I wasn't planning to have a conference, and he just kept uh, nudging me in my spirit and wouldn't let up. Um, So I was like, okay, you know, I think Prophetess Tiffany Montgomery says, go back to the last thing the Holy Ghost told you to do. And I was like, well, I wrote it down. I already know what I'm supposed to do. Um, So that was birth. It is one of the only times we'll see, maybe the Holy Ghost will nudge him. Uh, It is the first time that he is hitting the stage with me. Folks know he exists because I post him, uh, but they ain't never heard from him unless they've had an opportunity to meet him. But he is formerly a teacher. He taught over 200 kids uh, in Springfield, Massachusetts at his former school, which is now where our oldest, our oldest daughter uh, teaches now, she's 20, um, continuing on that legacy. But um, he's, he is a treasure trove. When I mean like, he, when he speaks, he speaks in gems. Gems, gems and, and dollars. Like literally whatever comes out of his mouth um, is, is truly something amazing. So that's gonna be something to look forward to. I brought some other investors in too. Um, I haven't dropped their names yet, but one of them for instance started out only about 10 years ago and they took $40,000 and turned it into a $12 million portfolio. Um, All while being technically disabled from the military when they came back from the military, um, having multiple injuries, 10 knee surgeries, multiple disc issues in their back um, and a shoulder, brand new, like redone shoulder as well. So came back from the military, all jacked up, but had no excuses and literally took 40K and turned it to 12 million just in about 10 years. Uh, so we'll be hearing from him. We'll be hearing from a syndicator, which is someone that puts deals together as another way to invest. Um, and I'll also be bringing other folks. So literally it's gonna be a rainbow of speakers and presenters. I'll be speaking. And then of course my husband will be hitting the stage with me as well. Um, so literally we're going to be breaking it down and sharing all of the, the secrets that it is to build a real estate portfolio. My husband and I, we've been in real estate since 2007, but we didn't really take it seriously until about two years ago. And that when was we- to ask you that too. Like yes. when did it go from this two family with a bonus yes. to this real estate portfolio? So I'm glad you mentioned So literally <laughs> about, um, oct- let's say November, October, October. 2019. So 
we've been in real estate since 2007. We didn't get serious about what we knew and how to do it until 2019. And that was right before the pandemic. Yeah. So what happened was I became an executive executive at the age of 30. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna ride this corporate train. You know, I'm an executive. They giving me this great six figure salary. You know, I have this cushy office. You know, I'm responsible for this, that, and the other. I'm achieving what I was told to achieve as a child. I was told climb this ladder and this is gonna be the holy grail. Well, I climbed the ladder and it was not the holy grail. It was hell on fire because people are controlling you when you work for them. And so I still work in the nine to five. I'm at a different place now, making way more money too. Um, And when the Lord releases me, which I pray within the next two years, three years that the Lord will release me, um, I'll be leaving and living off of our real estate. But essentially what happened was I started getting pinched at work in terms of I was a top producer, but I couldn't get vacation time off. And then the rules kept changing. And so it will be like, oh, Jasmine, if I have vacation, I'm the CEO, you can't take time off. Okay, no big deal. I understand that. We're the two top dogs. I was second in command. Makes total sense. Uh, Oh, yeah. But if the COO also, you can't take it either. Makes sense. We're the trio of the top dogs in the organization. Total sense. No problem. But then it started every time I'd ask, it would change and somebody else would knew would be added. Then it'll be the HR director. Then it'll be the CFO. Then it'll be the CMO. And I understand I was a generalist. I understood the whole place and I could run the place if the CEO became incapacitated. Um, but that began to gnaw at me and become more and more irritating. Then when I launched my business, that became a problem. Right. You know, why didn't you tell me you launched this business? Um, no, my business, but um, there became to be a, a friction there. And so I felt the friction and the pressure. And I was like, hold on a second. I can't be putting my eggs in a nine to five basket pre pandemic. Um, I need freedom and flexibility and I want to own my time and I want to be able to do what I want to do. If I want to go speak, I don't want to have to give an account of where I'm going to speak at. Um, I don't want to be told you're asking for time too far in advance. And I don't want to be told, no, you can't go on your family vacation that I go on every year, but I had to miss. And I think that was the precipice. Like, oh, no, 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 no. So literally um, I activated like on fire. My husband and I were in one accord um that was october 2019 literally two weeks from the date like we became one in our mindset he ended up leaving his job in less than two weeks oh wow i mean it was literally like four day notice we're sitting at breakfast like we normally do as a couple early in the morning and we're um in our power hour i would call it it's like we're talking about business what's the next steps what's the strategy all of that stuff and he's like yo, I can't concentrate at work. I need full focus to be able to do the real estate and really get this where we need it to go. And so I said, well, if you want to leave the job tomorrow, I know our budget. You can leave tomorrow. We'll be just fine. And so about three days later, he left his job just like that. And so literally in between October 2019 and not even two, not even two years. It was like one year, 19 months and something. I can't remember when I hit the date. Um, we turned it into a six-figure cash flowing business. We took everything we already knew and we just multiplied it and ramped it up and just, you know, made it, make it make sense. Um, and so since we were able to do that and we could have done it a long time ago, which is the whole other thing, like we'd be having everything in our hands that we need and then we don't get activated. But sometimes yep. the Lord wants us to wait but 
sometimes it's our own fault that we waited as long as we waited. So and they expect the yeah. same blessing and grace and yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm talking to myself actually because <laughs> God actually told me to do something December 2019, right before the pandemic happened. And it's needed now more than ever. And I'm like, did I, did I, I started, I got a name, but I should be yes. a lot further. But um, by the grace of God, he's going to give me some grace. But now the I main question people is going to say, how many um, units did, were you able to, I'm assuming you leverage your job, your high paying career, right? Yeah. Um, at some yes. point you probably even leveraged your husband. Well, no, your husband quit. So you didn't have to worry about his income, yeah. but you leveraged but your we leveraged our experience. So our experience had currency. So because mm -hmm. we'd been in the game since 2007, right. that was value to banks. So I came with the high paying W2 mm -hmm. and the experience, and he came with his experience and his career roster as well, which validated us when we wanted money from the banks. And so we've never been denied for anything that we've asked for. Um, and so that's how that worked out. And what, did, what was his occupation? He formerly, he was a teacher. And then remember, we own property, so you always, take credit for what you have done. So he technically was a property manager or investor. That was on there and okay. it marked from 2007. He was a, a college graduate, a teacher. Um, and then we worked in ministry um, because he's a preacher's kid, I'm a preacher's kid. And, and we labored in oh, his man. parents' church for so many years. That's work. Like people so often don't qualify their ministry work as work. And if anything, it's more valuable than actually going to a nine to five, because that's really where you can learn how to be in a nine to five, how to work with yeah. all walks of life, how to make a dollar stretch, how to speak, teach, you name it, like. Cast out demons, whatever you got to do. Y'all doing it. Yeah. That's incredible. That's, I'm, I'm loving this. Um, first of all, I'm loving the podcast interview so far. I'm just loving hearing about your story. Like, I think that's really incredible. You're so blessed, by the way. I'm sure you know that, but <laughs> just hearing, I'm like, wow. Like, it's pretty much almost perfect in my eyes. I'm like, wow. Both uh, PKs or pastor's kids or preacher's kids. Yeah. Um, that's just an amazing. That's incredible. And, you know, you're able to build this real estate empire, which are the person you love, right? Right. Person you wake up to every morning. You could have your power hour in the morning. Like that's that's really awesome. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, that's, that's a nugget right there for people. Like that's yeah. power hour. Like because I'm still a career woman, but like my husband is building the business, but he needs my brain. Like I'm the strategist, right? Part of yeah. my acronym or whatever is I'm a spending strategist, life and business catalyst. Like that's my brain. It strategizes and so, and so he needs it. So I. That's why he gets the first hour of my day is he needs to tap me for whatever he needs for the business before I go give my brain away to somebody else, which is my nine to five. That's incredible. And we just pray that you're out of that nine to five. Yeah. Soon, in three years. Yeah. So whatever that goal is, we hope it gets accelerated divinely, of course. Right. And uh, no, that's incredible. All right. So we had a guest in the past here. He got started with $6,000 his first home purchase and i believe he turned that six thousand dollars over the course of about 10 years as well um into a hundred plus units beautiful which i thought was incredible matter of fact 
No, he's not in your state. He's somewhere else. But he's in our area, by the way. Yeah. Um, and I'm just like, yeah, that's really incredible. And I was like, well, how did you do it? So yeah. I'm, I already know my guests. They're like, Deontay, you have great interviews, but how? We want to know all the details. So I'm going to let you explain yeah. how you actually, we already talked about the leveraging of the work experience, the nine to five, W2, mm -hmm. which a lot of people quit there. Everybody's looking at social media, listening to people, these microwave hey, millionaires. They at work. <laughs> they, 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 social media, they, they have an Insta job. Okay? Yes. <laughs> Everybody's an influencer and a social media manager. No, you're not. <laughs> let, let me tell you. Okay. Right, we ain't gonna talk about me right now. But yes, it's an Insta job that they have. Um, but with that being said, what's the blueprint? But I'll tell them that's the whole blueprint. <laughs> yeah. So one, the, like you start with a multi, like you want to get into real estate, stop buying single families first, buy the multi first and get the hands-on experience of how to run it and scale it. So that's number one. So folks out here like jumping out of college, getting their first jobs and buying these massively expensive single families and then wonder why they can't seem to pivot into a multi because you don't have any money because you put all your money into your single family and you can't do that. So just start with the multi and then you will ultimately get to your single. So I did three jumps before I went to my single. So we did a multi, another multi, a mobile home, and then the single family. When we got there, everything was paying for everything else and mm -hmm. putting money in our pocket. Like that's the strategy you want to go with. And once you do one and you do two and you do three, you can do 300. It's just about systems and replicating things and learning from your mistakes. A lot of people don't like to make mistakes. Those are my best like lessons. Like I be learning so much from a mistake. I'm like, well, I'm never doing that again. And what did I learn from that? I learned X, Y, Z. Like one time I took a tenant and the Holy Ghost was telling me, don't you take that tenant. Don't you take that mm. tenant. And I had interviewed so many people, so many people. And I was just sick and tired of waiting. Do you know, the Holy Ghost told me all the way up until I signed the paperwork. While they were, I, I can remember it right now, walking up the steps in my house and I brought them in the house and I, they smelt like weed. And, it, and I'm like, Holy Ghost told me not to sign this paperwork with them. And, but I'm still going through it, signing the paperwork. Do you know that I had them leave like five months later? Mm. If I would have just listened, mm. I would have avoided that. I wouldn't have had to deal with that. I wouldn't have had to, my other two tenants pissed off that these tenants are causing an issue and then having those tenants leave. Luckily, they left easily. I didn't have to evict them. I could have avoided all of that. So that's another tidbit. Like the Holy Ghost be telling, telling us stuff and we be overriding it. So you see my, <laughs> I have some stories now by the grace of God. I did. All right. So my, my journey is definitely unique. Mm -hmm. um, nothing like a lot of these other gurus out there. I came swinging out the mud by the grace of God. That's all yeah. I got to say. Um, but what I can say is I never had problems with my own personal tenants. Mm -hmm. and I was always extremely nice to them. I think the last tenant I had, I didn't even make her do a security deposit. Yeah. So, you know what? You a single mother with two, three kids with Section 8. Well, she has Section 8. I didn't care. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to rent this to you. And she didn't really do me wrong. Like, she did me well. No problems. For those who don't know, I'm also a realtor. I've helped a lot of nonprofits with relocation services, like shelters with relocation services for, you know, individuals without addresses. So I'm an advocate. Like, I, I want to make sure my people have shelter, they have yes. nice living. But recently, 
And we're going to talk off the air about this yes. one. Yes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going through it right now. But tell people about how important it is to pray and, and seek God over everything you do. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. In business. It's in real estate, in business, in, in, right. in business, in real estate and in business, it's very fast paced. Mm -hmm. So we, with me, I don't have time to pray. I'm not going to say I, I don't pray all, I'm learning, I'm doing it now. But in the past, I, I wasn't the person to pray about everything first. Mm -hmm. I was just like, all right, it sounds good. Let me go with it. The numbers make sense. Let's, let me go with it. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. You had a bad experience right there. Right, right. And so the Holy Ghost be warning you about stuff. So it's one, listening to that. But I think two, understanding what uh, business opportunities you're supposed to go for and what you're not. So once you start shining, everybody comes out the woodwork and wants to work with you, right? Mm -hmm. They come out of everywhere. Like, I mean, people are literally like throwing money at my husband and I because they see the gift, they see the anointing, but you could lose your gift and anointing by allowing certain people to tap into you. Kind of like um, um, Delilah and Samson, right? You shack up with the wrong one, they will take your glory. So you have to be extremely careful and extremely cognizant. So. I'm not gonna lie either. I'm not like steadfast praying about everything, but I know when the Holy Ghost is talking to me, like, and now hindsight, again, you learn from your mistakes, right? Back then, that was how many years ago? I've been here for five, six years, this house for five years. So that's probably seven years ago, eight years ago. My walk wasn't as strong as it is now. And in mm -hmm. fact, I ran into that tenant working at the gas station near my house currently, which is in a town over. Coincidentally, that's so funny, right? Uh, and that was like a few, a couple months ago, actually, the same tenant. Um, but nonetheless, you know, you have the Holy Ghost for a reason. And it's the teller of all truth. Um, but you got to build that muscle up. So I look at that lesson as a lesson. And now, you no, know, I know when the Holy Ghost is talking to me because it happened like this and this is what it mm. felt like. And this is how it warned me. And it was a nagging spirit and I still overrode it. Um, and so you, you got to learn from that. And so you have to check your flesh because that's another dangerous thing because we want to do something so bad or we want to get to a level so bad. We'll be like, I know that's the Holy Ghost, but maybe he's wrong. He ain't ever wrong. Girl. Why he gonna be wrong in this situation? When did he get wrong? It it feels just like the other time, but all of a sudden he's wrong because our flesh, because we want something. <laughs> <laughs> he is not wrong, right? And so, you know it's hard. I'm not, you know, and a lot of the listeners they're probably not believers. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't do calls for salvation. I just talk about what yeah. I'm going. Through. Yeah. You know, and I'm still learning. Like I'm still probably I only been for real save saved, maybe like three years. Mm -hmm. And I and I had a lot of back. You know, yeah, I had to go do a lot of repenting in those three years, maybe four. Because you know, I'm so happy you mentioned Tiffany Montgomery. She was a part of like me really letting it click. Her teaching, yeah. her preaching, it really clicked at some point. I was like, oh, I have to stop doing what I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. And then Leslie, a prophetess Leslie and um, Apostle Dominic kind of, I discovered them in 2019. I was just like, wow, I never felt God like this ever before. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, I've been stalking them ever since. Now, some people on here, they're like, what are these two girls talking about? I don't know mm -hmm. what they're talking about. I don't know what the Holy Ghost is. They don't, they don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but I hope you all encounter him, ask to encounter him. And you do see God about 
everything you do in your business, even down to the people you're supposed to do contracts and deals with, especially with general contractors. Let oh, me goodness. Tell yes, girl. Okay. I have a whole book coming just on that part of yeah. the game. Okay. Um, I mean, they begin you lose every like the wrong construction crew. You will lose everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You would have to start over. You would have to go back and get a nine to five. You might even have to go on food stamps. It all depends on your scenario, right? Right. So you want to make sure you're um really praying and getting some type of revelation and confirmation from God on who you're hiring, mm -hmm. and um even do just be on the job site. I mean, I'm not, this podcast is not for me to talk, but be on these job sites, tap into what these people are doing so you can fire them and not waste a lot of your money, right? Um, do you have it? Well, I'm not gonna say issues because we don't wanna speak that over you. Yeah. Have you had any um, interesting stories that you would like to share about <laughs> contractors doing your construction work? Yeah, you know, um, I've had great stories. Like I have a phenomenal team right now. Like good, good. they're dope. I mean, they get my work done so fast. They'd be like, you're holding me up. Like, when is the Home Depot order coming? Like we need X, Y, and Z because we're gonna be done in such and such a time. So good. for sure, you know, the right team, they make you money and they get done quickly. So I have a phenomenal team right now. Um, and the handyman too that we have as well. Cause, cause if you're gonna do buy and holds and have rentals, mm -hmm. Your handyman is your, he's, he's, he's your gold. He's yeah. like, you don't use contractors for your um, multifamilies that much because it's just easy things like mm -hmm. leaky faucet, leaky toilet, you know, small minor things. So your handyman is gold. But um, I've had some projects that we had to do. And um, I've had a couple of situations where they weren't like the best. I find, and, and this is interesting, I find that contractors have a lot of substance use issues. And I'm not sure what the link and the correlation is, but I mean, alcoholism runs deep with the contractors um, as well as other substance uses, but alcohol is number one. So there's like a stronghold on their gifts that they don't get to maximize as much mm -hmm. as they could um, because of that. And so I've had two contractors, one with a serious alcohol problem. Like you, my husband was working side by side with them. Work mm -hmm. was impeccable when they weren't drunk. Um, but they had a drinking problem. And so you gotta be wise when you pay people so that you don't get got. We don't pay people upfront, like unless you're our contract, like our contractors right now, we pay them at the end of the job. Not be we could pay them in the front, They've they're trustworthy, but literally because they manage their money, right? They're like, you could pay mm -hmm. me at the end, it's no big deal. Um, but right. other contractors are living hand, hand to mouth, hand to mouth. Um, but I had a contractor, he didn't finish the job he was right and that's the other thing they get right to the end when it's like the last 15 percent that needs to be done they can't do it and they can't <laughs> do it i'm like yo look at this work it's incredible and every time you get to the last 15 percent and you can't finish it um and so i we i fired him i was like okay you're fine and my husband worked alongside him and picked up the mm -hmm. trade so okay. that's the other thing we worked with two contractors and my husband Three, actually, my husband worked side by side on three contractors. Each of them were the 10 percent that got to the last 10, 15 percent. But because my husband had worked side by side with them, it was fine. So he just, you know, finished the work or I brought. Yeah, brought I don't know. It, yeah, that is always that for you, too. Yes. But that that's the most important part. It is. 
Kidding? the last 15 percent because exactly. that's where it in a place that's your mold right that's the that's finishing your like right like everything has to look clean lines and mm -hmm. yeah it's yeah it, oh yeah you're right right in that that spot right there. that 10 15 percent <laughs> they lose it right there so getting those um referrals but i don't trust everybody's referrals like for instance you know my in-law um had recommended her sibling and um, you got to know who can do what. And you put people in the areas that they best are situated. But if they're not good at the full job, well, you can't do that. That's not, that's not going to work. You have to put them where they're best skilled at. And so you got to make sure you watch who you get referrals from. Me, my mm -hmm. word is gold. I ain't going to tell you nothing unless I'm willing my, for my name to go down with them. And so I'm right. extra sensitive um, with, with giving my name connected to anyone uh, because my name carries weight. And so if you can't back my name up, I can't back your name up. Um, so if I give recommendations, they're solid. But you got to understand who gives solid recommendations and who doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, and then also test people out. Like you said, you better be on that job site. You better see what they're doing. Watch when you're paying that. I don't pay up front. No, oh, you want a third up front? Okay, yeah. When you finish a third of job, I'll pay you. I have the money. You want my references? Because this is how I do business. Like this is the way that it works over yonder. So, you know, and, and people are scared to do that too. And that's why they get got for so much money. They think that you can't do that, that you can't set that standard. If you come work for me, you're going to have multiple jobs moving forward. So if you can't get an order with this now, you're going to miss out on a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars because you can't pace your money right or you can't trust what i'm like no this is how this works so that's a that's a nugget for folks like you can control that payment so that you yeah. don't get got the way all these people out here like give me 50 percent up front no yeah, you didn't do nothing not. no mm -mm. absolutely not mm -hmm. now i mean another important question people will ask is how do you find the, your deals now springfield was a i don't know if it's still great i might have to take a drive oh girl it's, it's pinched but i know back it's still a good cash flower yeah you see what year was i out there it's 2010 girl? out there 2016 was the last time i was out there and it was it so was like have gone up but they're still yeah but it was like newark back in 2016 like open yeah. market like yeah. yeah yeah so uh like I told you, we, we truly launched October 2019, and we went from, because I had sold off all my portfolio before that. Mm -hmm. And so, and from that point to now, we're up to, I want to say, 31 units. And nice. so, two years, 31 units. Um, what I would say is, how did we get our deals? One is you got to be the first on the, well, here's a couple of things. I'm on social media, and I'd be finding deals on social media. Yes, I mean, Facebook groups. Is where you find them typically That's i mean true. you tell me where you find yours at <laughs> so facebook groups uh, i'm friends with realtors loan officers like and mind you i just fell into that strategy i wasn't even planning next thing i turned around i was like why are all my people realtors and loan officers and everybody in the in the real estate industry and the groups so I targeted groups and um making friends with all the local people and then also i had a realtor before and she worked with investors and mm. so let me tell you one, I got the house that we just flipped now that my son who's 18, he just turned 18. He, became, he was a partner on that flip. So he's in real estate now 
and his, we have an accepted offer that'll be closing soon. Um, I got that one by just looking on Facebook. It popped up by somebody that I follow and he might've posted it in a group too. And so I screenshot it and sent it to my husband because he ain't on social media. He can't stand it. And I'm like, I'd be finding deals on social media. That's good. You, right. Exactly. Yeah. So I screenshot it and sent it to him and him and my son went and looked at it. And so right. then we got our son involved. Uh, he did all the cleanouts. He hired his friends. He's a serial entrepreneur, his own self. So that was his exposure um, to putting his own money in the game through all of the businesses that he had launched and saved up his money for. So that was that one. Another one was my husband saw on the, I think it was the MLS. He saw it on the MLS. It was like, come see it. And the offer closes today. It was like a super slim, tight window. So we go and see it. We put our offer in, we put an escalation clause in, but we put, we wanted to have an inspection for informational purposes only. In Massachusetts, if you do that, it's considered as if it doesn't say for informational purposes only. So our offer was better, but it wasn't selected. Somebody else was selected. They happened to be friends with our realtor. So he uh, then goes in and does his review. He manually does a review and then decides that he doesn't want it because the tenants were gonna be a problem and it came mm -hmm. with tenants and that's we knew so we we were second and we were like all right these tenants are going to be a problem because you know wouldn't you know um but are we willing to put up 10k to hold it and get them out the legal way if we have to do that if they don't go willingly we counted mm -hmm. up the cost that house was only a hundred and thirty five thousand dollars that's good and we bought that less than a year ago off the mls so that person said they didn't want it when they went and looked, and I would knew it was because of the tenants. And so since we were connected to the realtor and the realtor realm, which is making friends with everybody, right. um, yes. they called us and said, hey, he's not going with it. You know, do you want to go for it? And so we went for it. And also we spoke to the seller when we were there as well. And I was chatting up the store. I'm like, oh, why are you selling? And blah, blah, blah. And she's like telling me all the business. So I knew it. And I knew they'd be a problem because they right. were a problem for her and they were friends. So mm -hmm. you go mm -hmm. in with your eyes wide open. That's right. how we got that deal. That's how we got the other deal that is selling now that my son is in. Um, my daughter's house, she's 20 years old. She's the teacher. She has a four family. She bought that in October. That right. hit MLS, but my realtor told me that I was going to be hitting the market. And that house was the house that I originally did my first ever teaching on for my platform. And I had always told my husband, I knew he was going to get re ready to sell it, but this is like two and a half years prior. And I was like, I was telling my husband, I want that house. I want that house. That house has to be mine because I had ran the numbers. I taught people like this house, this house can make you $2,500 in right. cash flow. This one house. Right. Um, so when he finally put it on the market and my husband said, um, oh, he put it on the market because we got a heads up. I immediately text my realtor. And I was like, because my husband's a realtor too. And he's under that team now. Um, he ended up doing that. That's another hack too, right? We paid people forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars on commission deals from buying stuff. Just get your own realtor license and keep exactly. your money in your pocket extra. So um, I was like, I want. That's my house. That's how I texted. I said, that's my house. And she said, put your offer in. Put your offer in. So we put the offer in. We put it at full asking, no inspection. You know, at making it easy as as possible, except it was a FHA. And you know how FHA is. If it's peeling paint, if it's missing banister, you gotta put a bit, you know, a little nuisance stuff that yeah. they get for. But easy to, easy to do, it's like no big deal. Um, the place was rented, three units were rented and the final vacant unit for owner occupancy was brand new renovated, um, beautiful. So we put the offer in, 
we were told other people's offers went in and they were like 30K over ours. But they gave it to us because it was divine favor. Come on. That's amazing. So that's my daughter's. Um, here's and it another still ended one. up in your family. That could be my family. Like Listen, she my family. That's me. Me is her. Her exactly. is me. That's mine. So, um, and she's making, she ain't at the $2,500 mark yet, but she will be because, you know, um, we got rents increases going up and the different things um, and strategies and tactics, but she's cash flowing a good amount now. But um, then another house that we found was pre-listing. So we were okay. told the house was going to be listed and we were told it's going to be delivered vacant, a three family. Very rarely do you get three families delivered vacant. It was because the entire family, we talk about family uh, sharing things. It was an entire family and the whole three family. Nice. So and it was a Caribbean family. And so the daughters live each, uh, two of the daughters had their own floors and the grandmother had the first floor. Um, nice. So it was a whole one family and they were going and purchasing a single family. So they were going to list it. They were listing it for 175 175 what so we tried to give it away we listen we're about like i don't want to only win i want my friends to win i want my family to win so i was like this deal and i teach right i teach speaking coach all things money mastery and real estate and so i teach people like this is how you run the numbers you're gonna buy it's not emotions it's numbers it's a numbers right. game that's what you're gonna do so i gave it we gave it to two one friend one family member we said go buy look at this house Yes, yeah, in the hood. Gold is in the hood. All my houses are in the hood. Like, you make money in the hood. So my one friend goes and was like, out on the phone. And I, um, I didn't really pay attention. Weeks go by. Never says anything. Then um, a sister-in-law, we give it to her. She never does anything with it. So literally, it's about to go live. And it goes live. And I tell my husband, we're going to take it. We're going to take it. Had no plans to take. I said, this is such a no brain. I'd be stupid not to take the house. That house cash flows 3000 a month. Ooh, cash flow after bills, 3000 a month. Remember, I, I, we got, and that's like today. We got right. it to 3000 because it was delivered vacant. So we bought right. it, put 20K into it, revamped the units, rented them top dollar market, 1450 1450 dollars $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1, $1 off of it. That's only bought it for 175 now for those deals are you using conventional banking or are you doing um hard money or private money to fund those deals so each property is a different scenario so okay. um the single families that we bought we did hard money and okay. um one of them because the tenant is leaving in april we had to formally evict that one of those tenants that that one tenant um that i got that house we got for 135 or whatever Mm -hmm. So we'll re we're, I think we're going to refinance on their traditional lending on that because we've got to do the work now and we're going to hit the year mark. So yeah. hard money lenders on those, um, which is why your reputation is important and um, who backs you is important. So we have a hard money lender where we only have to put 10% down, not the 20 or the 25%, just 10%. Right. So like right. pick up those houses that were dollars for $13,000, like that's what you got to put plus your, you know, closing costs or what have you. So ain't a lot of money. Um, and then for that three family, we did hard money. And as soon as we wrapped the project, we uh, refinanced conventional just like that. So it literally, okay. we didn't even have it 90 days under hard money and it went directly. As soon as it was fully rented, it refinanced mm -hmm. under um, conventional financing, um, commercial conventional financing. 
And then another one was traditional banking. So it depends on the property. It depends on the numbers and what we're trying to do. Does it need renovation? Does it not need renovation? Does it have tenants? Does it not have tenants? Because you know, the banks have their rules and the ratios it has to hit. Yep. And I'm glad you're going over. People don't realize that in order for you to qualify for these refinance loans, you need to have all of your ducks in a row. Okay. Yes. So number one thing, people, ladies and gentlemen, your credit, make sure you qualify before you even go into that bridge loan or that hard money loan, make sure you're qualifying for the refinance. You, know, yes. you will get stuck or you will yes. have to just do a flip versus a, a, a buy and hold type of rental property loan, right? Yes. So make sure you're maintaining your credit score. Things that's happened to me and I'm not, I'm not perfect in this real estate space. So life happens, right? So you may have gotten or had the high credit score to get the bridge loan or the hard money loan. Yep. But then when it's time to do the refinance, your, your score probably went down, right? Mm -hmm. So that happens sometimes. So try to maintain it. Um, we do have friends to the show and I have partnered with them where now they're saying, oh, we'll take a 620. I'm like, Oof, 620 credit score for a refinance. What are the interest rates? They right. do have programs out there, but realistically, you do need at least a 680. I would even say 720, 740 score. The higher, the better. Yes. Um, but definitely, you don't want to go under a 680. Right. Definitely. Um, to qualify, especially when you're dealing with the banks for refinances. Like, they're not, they're not budging on their <laughs> credit score limits. So You got that right. You got that. And I just did a refi on my, now it's considered my second home. Um, as well recently before the rates went up i got me a nice 2.85 what are they at now four okay i mean no i got 2.5 i think 2. that's 5. really great yeah, yeah and i went down i dropped it down to a 20 year because i believe in owning cash so that's another part of our strategy too so i plan even though i refinanced to a 20 year i plan to have this home paid off um within the next three years lord willing okay. he gonna make it happen because he wants me to be debt free and he told my husband too so i'm like we in unison like he told me first, told him, and then well, I, was say, it. I was like, oh, we all on the same page now. So I was going to say, do you mind sharing your strategy on how you're going to get this house paid off in three years? Yes. Okay. So one, you got to have a budget. I mean, I just did a post today. So silly, but so funny and true. It was mm -hmm. about socks. Like how many of us lose our socks all the time, right? Oh, in the dryer. Where did even send socks go? I think we got to take the dryers apart <laughs> and find out like if there's a secret shoe that they yep. go into, because I don't know where these socks go. I bought some new socks and I was like, I'm not losing these new socks, right? It's winter time. I only got so many of these socks that cover my ankle and it's negative 14 degrees out here. I, I can't afford to lose a sock, right? I need these socks. So I came up with a simple strategy. I'm just going to safety pin them together. I mean, I've been safety <laughs> pinning my socks. Now my, now my 10 year old safety pinning her socks because it works. I mean, it saves you time when you're doing the laundry fold. You don't got to find socks. You don't got to get pissed off. There's mismatch. Like every sock has a home because it's with its pair. It's married. It's married to its pair. So I tell people, the, I posted today, I said, you need to safety pin your money to a budget. Come on. So you don't lose no dollar bills, right? Amen. Sometimes we lose five, sometimes we lose 10, sometimes we lose a 20, sometimes a hundred, sometimes multiple hundred, sometimes a thousand. I don't know. Money's just disappearing. It's just getting lost because it ain't attached to a budget. So one, you have to have a budget. So strategy number one is we live by a budget. And we have these goals specifically written. And so 
for this year, like we already accomplished goal one for the business and goal one for our personal finances as well, uh, because we had a plan. So we said, okay, I want to pay this off or I want to um, accomplish this. What are the next steps to do that? And if it's money-based, how is it going to get done? So in real estate, if you have, um, if you have rental properties, you only get paid in the beginning of the month. So all that money needs to be accounted for. In your W-2, you get paid how often you get paid in your W-2. I get paid twice a month. So my action plan is based on my pay, pay, pay periods. So literally, as soon as I get paid, if like the last goal was to eliminate something that was at $8,000. And so every pay period, $2,000, $2,000, $2,000. And then when I would get like random checks, because you know, sometimes they just be popping up, but like, what is this $1,500 check? Whoop, take that check and throw it on that goal so I can finish it sooner. That's a right. tactic. Plan, action items, execution. It's connected to my budget. So for this particular house, in my real estate business, we don't live off of our real estate proceeds. And so that's how we're able to scale up. We're able to buy as many properties as we're able to. There's a couple of tactics. That's right. one of them. Using hard money at the 10% rate is another. Using private, creating your own um, fundraising scheme. And like mm -hmm. we created our own private money lender with a relative. And so right. we come up with the terms. We say, okay, you give me this. Because you know, in, in real estate, right? We don't mm -hmm. like sitting on cash. We want yeah. our cash working. So we push cash out as quickly as it comes in. So if people try to rob me, I'm like, you're not going to get anything. Because as soon as money comes in this joint, it's already gone. It's it fun. already has a destination. It went where it was supposed to go because my money got to work. It's got to go to work and bring back some more money. As soon as it comes back, it gets pushed back out. So um, we had those goals and that's how we set our goals up. And so the real estate business is going to do that. It's going to literally um, be taken all of the profits and thrown into paying off the assets. So we have the list of what assets come first and how to make that happen. And of course, we allow the plan to pivot if it needs to pivot. Um, but like I told you, we're launching another business. That business wasn't in my budgeted plan. So if I said mm. three years, I didn't even include that other business and the projected profits it's bringing in. It has the opportunity to expedite things as well. So right. that's the plan. It's taking the real estate business and allowing it to pay itself off because the other thing is um, that actually helps you too with the bank because now you end up having more wealth. You end up owning more of your stuff. And so they love to see that you have assets and they let you leverage Absolutely. off of, you know, the wealth that you have. Um, but I believe in owning uh, fully off. So within the next five years, we plan to have at least three of the properties paid off um, and continue that cycle, you know, purchase, but paying off, purchasing, mm -hmm. but paying off. Um, and doing that simultaneously because it's very dangerous in real estate. You can get addicted to buying and playing the mm -hmm. cash flow game, which is a great game to play, but you'll never own anything if you don't put any intentionality behind your planning. And for me, I believe that God has designed me to own things 100% so that I can pass them out, pass them down without issue. Um, and I think, you know, biblically, you know, God didn't give the children of Israel the land with a note on it he gave them the land with no note. And so if he's given stuff with no note, then I should be given stuff with no note and I should be owning stuff with no note as well. Amen, that's true. And I think that's incredible. And that's a great goal, a great strategy. I thank you for sharing it. Cause I'm sure everybody was gonna say, well, how is she planning on doing this? And I, I think- the, And my W2, and my W2, same concept, right? I'm hitting it from two, two angles. Yep. Yeah. And 
also the main thing is the price points are just incredible. So I always tell people, you know, when I was scaling, I wasn't able to scale in my neighborhood. I had to go somewhere where the houses were 30,000, 40,000. Yes. You know what I'm saying? By the time when I was yeah. to go sell it, they were worth 110,000. Yes. With no work being done, right? So, yes. Which was incredible during the pandemic. But you have to go where your budget is. So, your budget. <laughs> and it's a whole budget. wide world, too, right? Mm -hmm. And it's so, a, like, people don't huge world. limit themselves. This was great. It was a necessary um, dialogue. And I'm happy that we're spiritually thinking the same. And yeah. sometimes I'm like, talking about holy spirit and people looking at me like i don't be care i'll be like i said the holy ghost gave me this business like I'm telling like, i told the holy ghost like there is something more for me to do besides working at these businesses yeah i took this real estate more serious now but also like what else like i have more to do and to give besides making other people millions of bucks in their companies you know like you didn't give me this gift not to be able to do stuff myself also. Yeah. So I agree. Sure. Well, Jasmine, this was great. This podcast episode definitely by the grace of God will bless somebody. Yeah. And we I'm I'm probably gonna come to your event. I have to reserve That'd that. That'd be ticket great, now. praise God. But yeah. yeah. Um, because I, I just you know, a lot of the information I'm sure I the syndication part, I actually just started learning last year, but I didn't really do anything with it. And I do have a syndication mentor, but it's always great to network and be around people with the same mindset. And I'm sure you're going to set the stage on fire when you go up there. So kudos to you. I'm excited for your conference. And it, again, it's the Work to Profit Conference. It's going to be in Springfield, Massachusetts. Okay, I can never get that word out. But it's going to be in... Springfield. So everybody, make sure you go to Jasmine's Instagram page and let everybody know, and website, let everybody know where they can actually keep in contact with you and also order their ticket to the conference. Yes. So follow me on Facebook and Instagram. It's Jasmine Naylor Enterprise. And if you're on IG, you can click the link in my bio to bring you right to the tickets. And I've been posting like crazy. So almost on every post, if you open my post, you'll get the link directly um, to the event to book it. But it's going to be awesome. So it's in person. So come and make it and be in the audience and really get all these gems that are going to be dropping. Amen. Guys, you, I'm probably going to be reposting her post. She does post every day. <laughs> but I'm inspired by your post. Your, your post inspired me a lot. So um, definitely go follow Jasmine. She's doing great things. She is definitely someone who's going to get you together um, physically. I mean, not physically, financially and spiritually. So go follow her and join her community. All right, Jasmine. God bless you. We'll talk soon. And again, thanks for coming on the Journey to Developer podcast. Everybody, make sure you go subscribe to our YouTube channel and also follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other major podcast platforms. And until next time, bye. Bye. <laughs>